So we saw yet another South Korean victim of Japan's wartime sexual enslavement pass away, provoking a national wave of mourning. I was at the um, Wednesday protest yesterday. I felt that the, certainly the, the tension and the energy around the place, the media frenzy, the, the police gave a, a, a renewed emphasis on this call for justice on behalf of many of those protesters and the still surviving victims. Uh, but Kim Bok Dong, one of the most prominent demonstrators on this, with her passing at the age of 93, it... it serves as something of a watershed moment. Jade Lee is on the line for us to take a look at how the newspapers here have been responding. Good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. First, can you talk to us a bit more about this particular victim? And, and uh, She was one of two recent uh, victims who passed away, but she in particular had such a pro- public profile that uh, it's drawn all this attention. That is right. Um, as you just mentioned, her name is Kim Bok-dong, and she died Monday at the age of 93. She had been battling cancer. Kim is considered a symbolic figure in Korea and worldwide for her work in disseminating the truth about sexual enslavement. She came out with her own confession as a comfort woman in 1992 and then traveled to various places to share her painful story. She has strongly condemned Japan for not making a formal apology and demanded that it compensate the victims for their suffering. Her last words were, quote, please fight this out until the comfort women issue is resolved, unquote. Kim's death now brings the number of survivors of Japan's sexual enslavement down to 23. It came only hours after another elderly victim's passing early Monday. Let's have a look first at the E-Daily's view of this. Mm-hmm. Sure. The E-Daily said Kim was more than a survivor as she went beyond testifying about her experience. She spent her later years advocating for campaigning for women's rights issues, especially for those who experience wartime sexual violence. She also made donations to Japan-based schools set up for ethnic Koreans. And when the Fukushima disaster struck in 2011, Kim even started a fundraising campaign to help victims. But what's regrettable is that the comfort women issue isn't likely to be resolved anytime soon amid the souring South Korea-Japan relations and with Japan maintaining its narrow-minded attitude, not giving a word of apology for the country's wartime atrocities. And with another victim passing away, there is not much time left for the Japanese government to apologize. So before it's too late, it should make a forthright apology to remaining victims. It's going to be a similar theme, I guess, across the board as people have been offering tributes to Kim Bok Dong, perhaps with some slightly different nuances. How did the Hangul Kilbo respond? Well, the Hangugibo also condemned Japan for declining to apologize. It seems they're just waiting for time to pass by. But perpetrators need to ask for forgiveness until victims say that's enough. This is the only way they can prove their sincerity. Also, the 2015 deal between South Korea and Japan is seriously flawed as it failed to meet the needs of victims. So the Japanese government shouldn't insist that we comply with the agreement. And Prime Minister Abe recently declared in a policy address that 
he would pursue a new era of neighboring diplomacy. However, establishing peace and prosperity in Northeast Asia would would be made only possible when Japan reflects on its past and issues a formal apology for its wartime violence. And in that respect, it should learn from Germany how to be contrite and accepted by the international community. And then to the Seoul Shinman? Mm-hmm. The Seoul Shinman's view was not that different. Most of the victims are old, and the number of survivors is rapidly shrinking. In 2015, when the deal was reached during the previous Park Geun-hye administration, there were 46 survivors, but the number dropped to 23 only in three years. A hastily settled 2015 agreement was a diplomatic disaster that rubbed salt in the wounds of these victims and people who have been working hard to resolve the issue. The government announced it would disband a Japanese-funded foundation established under the settlement, but amid intensifying disputes, no progress has been made on that front yet. A recent radar lock-on incident is a diplomatic issue that the two countries should address through dialogue. However, the pain and suffering of comfort women is a human rights issue, so it is not something that should or can be negotiated. The perpetrator's heartfelt apology is the only key to solve the issue. So this is what Prime Minister Abe must remember. And we can finish with the financial news. Sure. The financial news started out by introducing a Korean film released in 2017 titled I Can Speak. The film depicts the story of a Korean comfort woman, and this was hardly the first time that the issue was made into a movie, but... What made this film stand out was its genre. It is a comedy, but it doesn't fail to take the audience on an emotional journey. The film is known to be based on the true story of many survivors, including Kim Bok-dung. In fact, there's another documentary film that portrays Kim's life. Its English title is Habitual Sadness, and it was released in 1997. Its director, Pyeong Yongju, has expressed condolences on social media, saying that Kim braved her shyness to make a confession about what she had to go through in front of the world. Kim's wish was to receive a sincere apology from Prime Minister Abe in person. And that dream didn't come true in this world, but the paper wished for her to be out of pain in a better place and rest in peace. Thank you very much, Jade, for joining us on the line today. Thank you, Alex.